we're going to be taking through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing, mate? You okay? I'm all right, yes. On this strange, balmy spring afternoon. Yeah, in lockdown. Um, in lockdown. In, in lockdown once again. So this is isolation cast number three. Number three. It was a, it was a good one last week, wasn't it? With old Haddie. Yeah, yeah. We got, uh, we got a little <laughs> bit of a talking to, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I was listening back to it uh, the other day and it, and it was yeah. fantastic. His voice got higher and higher as he got more and more annoyed. More and more us. pissed off at how lame we have been. Yeah. In our, in our DIYness, we got handed our DIYness on a plate a little bit, didn't we? I know, we really, we really did. And um, and since then, it's been great. It's been, it was great, actually. I mean, I've been thinking an awful lot about our film and our approach and ways in which we can just have a think about, you know, readdressing expectations, budget, you know, budget-wise and production-wise and, uh, you know, all that kind of, all that kind of shebang. Because our expectations were so bloody high, let's face so it. So high anyway, yeah. We were, we were, we were being very, very kind of modest, I suppose. We, well, I think when we did our back of a fag packet uh, budget all those years ago, when we were allowed mm. to meet in person in a pub, yeah, um, we, we thought this is an extremely frugal budget and we won't yeah. kind of say it specifically i don't know why we won't but it's basically between naught and 100 grand it was yeah. somewhere between those two numbers it was somewhere in there this would actually shoot and we would and we had sort of figured out with the quantity of cast members because there's quite a few in the in the current script there is yeah and the length of pages that we were working towards that you know i think we figured out we'd say we thought it would be about 10 to 12 days shoot didn't we or something yeah. like that so that was our frugal attempt at doing it in some way by the book if you like yeah. as in you know making sure everybody got paid at least the sort of minimum minimum wage and doing it in a way that we would have to pay for things kind of pretty much um fully but you know on a bit of a shoestring but mm. but we 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 kind of got handed a bit of a lesson from our friend Hadi last week and maybe it's made a little rethink in terms of things you sent yeah. me this you sent me this beautiful diagram that i think maybe we'll have to sort of share somehow virtually yeah it was just me going back and having another look at the script and i just kind of did a little diagram of the timeline uh, and where i just wanted a real visual reference of the story uh, yeah. as a one page so i could see exactly where we had really dense characters and action and, and you know, lots of cast and where it was quite sparse. Cause in, cause yeah. in essentially what happens in the story of routine, it's a, it's a big comedy gig that by the end of it, the last act of the film, pretty much the, you know, without giving too much away, 
uh, the characters are really whittled down to three main uh, key characters. So it goes from being quite a large ensemble to being a very kind of, sm- it kind of gets smaller and smaller until we get to the yeah. kernel of the film yeah. right, make, right right in the last page. You're making it sound a bit like Big Brother, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> they get voted out. <laughs> they get voted out every week. It's much um, better than that. It's much but, bigger. It's much better yeah. than Big Brother. But essentially, the, the, the final act, um, we only do have like three characters. So I was trying to think, right, how do we kind of work this now? We do a rewrite now where we have maybe more of that where the characters are, are, are kind of fewer. I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to do away with the audience altogether in the film, in the film and the story. But like you were saying, maybe it's a smaller gig. Cause let's face it, we've all been to, and you have actually even uh, done gigs where there's kind of 10, 15 people in the audience, right? Oh yeah. I've, I mean, I've done stand up gigs where the only people in the audience are the other comics who are about to stand up. But of course we were talking before in, in other episodes that to get that jeopardy, yeah, uh, you kind of feel like it needs to be a big audience, but maybe it's not, maybe it's something smart, like, you know, Don really has gathered together the key people he wants to do this performance to. Um, and they are the only ones in the audience. Maybe it's something along those lines. But funny funny enough, going back to, I I looked at the the script, and although I kind of haven't given too much, uh, I haven't cared too much about a budget in the writing of the story, let's say, um, I've kind of just thought, let's get the story out, let's get it feeling like it's working well, I can worry about the budget at a later date. Although I've kind of done that in these first couple of drafts, uh, still, actually it's written in a way that would favor having a smaller budget in that there's lots of parallel action. Yeah. 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 So the, there's bits that are in the, in the main room of the club that has all the audience in, then there's things that are in the back room, then there's things that are in the yard, then there's things that are in the toilet. So that would, I think we should still keep that structure because it means that uh, yeah. we, we oh, still get the feeling things. that there, all, all this crowd are there. Maybe we shoot with the crowd for only one day. Yeah. Uh, even that reduced crowd, but through sound design, through clever editing, we can make them feel like they're there for the whole film. Do you yep. know what I mean? So I, th- I think the script currently has that in. So I wouldn't want to lose that, but maybe build on that and build on that in a way that we gear it towards a much smaller budget. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you know, with the sort of the the audience is effectively the most expensive bit, maybe apart from the location itself. So thinking yeah. from my production hat you know it's very hard to find locations for not much that is yes. basically always the one area that in previous film projects that i've worked on in various capacities getting a location cheap is so hard it's so hard yeah. that generally you've either got to be friends with somebody and they just give you it or be just extremely lucky so we we were thinking you know, certainly the two biggest spends in this uh, script as it currently stands is quantity of cast because everybody should be paid and everybody yeah. should get and have a, a nice experience and not be taken advantage of. And then location. And, and we, we had an inkling of an idea of a place, didn't we? Yeah, there's a place. Funny enough, when you mentioned it, it's, a, one, it's one of the two places that I had visually in my mind as I was writing scripts. Yeah. When I was writing the very first draft, I, ha- I had the place that you mentioned in my mind. And it's, a, it's an old, I guess it's like an old 
It's a working man's working man's club, club yeah. that is now a, a pub and um, in our area. Uh, that was always in my mind, and then I switched to like the later drafts. I was thinking very much of the bar downstairs at the old Hornsey Town Hall which has yeah. now been, unfortunately been renovated for flats and is no longer there, I, I don't yeah. believe. Oh, but um, it's sitting empty right now. It's sitting empty right now, yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, just somehow find our way there with a I know, full but crew. I, and, but oh. unfortunately, I think they've pulled the whole bar out now and emptied that room. Yeah, and the, yeah. the room was perfect for our shoot because it was large enough that we could get a crew and... Yeah. And, and basically pick corners that we wanted to shoot in but still have enough room to move around as a crew so and I kind of written it with that in mind in the way that it's laid out but yeah. I, you know I think what's going to happen is we're going to have to find ourselves a location that we can afford to have for a week yeah. or so maybe a week and a half because we need a bit of a set up time yeah. maybe seven days shoot and then a, and then a day to clear out uh, but and then have to write it around that location you know yeah. I mean, often what, what um, you know, uh, when you're thinking in terms of production and, in, in, you know, I've, I've also been a first AD, you've been a first AD on a few times. Yeah. It's, it's always about how to cleverly squeeze the most out of every day and every location that you have. And, you know, if you've got four locations, one of them might be a toilet, one of them might be a bar. And, in, you know, in, in this in this film, there's a sort of yeah. back backstage area and ideally you know the location that you choose should be should give you as many of those options as you can but what you've got to remember and i think what's always worth um imagining is that the audience only ever sees this rectangle uh and it doesn't know what the rest of the place that you're currently in absolutely yeah so if if you are smart what you can do is you can point the camera over there you can put a little kind of flat up to make it look like a you know like a wall um and then suddenly you're in a backstage area so yeah. actually as long as you've got a big enough space um that can handle the you know the the various uh trappings of a film crew which is tons of boxes and lights etc and you've got a space that you can do as much as you possibly can with and that, that you've got flexibility, wow, you can do so much. And it, it's often that can, can make you think, you can say, well, I could shoot a toilet, that could be a toilet, that could be a backstage area. We could even make this into a bar. It's sort of about the flexibility and the size and yeah. then it coming with as many of the character, uh, as, as many of the sort of elements of the sort of visual character as possible. Yes, so you're absolutely. not having to make them up yourself with with art department which obviously then costs money etc costs money yeah exactly yeah cuz i can remember being on a on a shoot for i was a runner on a shoot years ago for a bunch of program idents and we were shooting in subterranea a club in in uh, portobello road and there was a club scene so we had we were on the dance floor and we were filming this character you know this is a sign of different times but it was yeah. a it was for a danish tv channel mm and uh, and the logo, the little square logo had a little one on him. He was being filmed in lots of different situations, like going out for a jog, being in a club, being in a cafe. But it was like a, it was a, you know, a short guy, like a dwarf. <laughs> what's the, what's the right word? Uh, it, it was, it was a man. It was an actor of short stature. Short, short shorter actor, yeah. Yeah, okay. and, uh, and 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 he was in this little suit and sweating away and so we had to film him in a club and he was like dancing in a club and then he was in a urinal having a pee but what we did we just whipped out like this kind of um 
the art department had built like a a tiled wall. Yeah. And we just filmed him again, but but we filmed it in the on the dance floor. So that suddenly became a loo yeah. over lunchtime. And uh and weirdly, because I was the runner, they got me in to do uh tests, uh mm. camera tests. This was a test weighing against the uh this the, was English in Pocket. This is the company that we met. Oh, this is the company in. that we met. Yeah. I'm, do, you, I'm, do you remember Sandy? Yeah, are we are we going in? Are we Sandy going off? Are we now doing the top podcast? Or are we just two geezers having a chat about the old days? It was sad. This guy called Sandy McMillan, and he he yeah. whipped me in to do a, a lighting check, and I ended up to do a piss against the uh, yeah, I, stars, I, yeah. I ended up starring in the Ident. Oh, the Danish the, TV as the little guy that can't be no, you. I, I was having a wee beside the little guy, and the oh. reason why I, the reason why they used me in the Ident is because they said they kept Sandy, who's the director, said right when I say. Uh, you know, when I give the nod, look down at him. And I thought, I took look down at him as in look down at his penis. <laughs> Not look, just check out the little guy. Because I, I had to be, he wanted me, he wanted me to be like, oh, that's a, that's a weird little guy that you're eyeing But when he said, when he said, when I say go look down at him, I thought check out is what he's packing. You thought him, you were talking, it was the penis. The penis. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Sandy found this so funny. Uh, he wanted to keep it in. The client went with it. And so then I was, oh, I was on Danish TV every night, checking, looking you know, at cottaging some little <laughs> dwarf. I think we'll probably have to cut some of this. <laughs> we, might, we, might, we might have to cut this out. Oh, that, I mean, but the, you know, obviously very different times, <laughs> but the lesson I think that we've learned from that. We've deviated slightly. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. The, the lesson we've learned from that story, I think, is that <laughs> is that you can often shoot elements within a location that you would never expect because the audience only sees that rectangle and um and you know i've always sort of loved that little bit of the challenge of going you know and in fact on on my short film uh mr talkie that we've mentioned many times yeah uh, i you know when i shot the main stuff with the main the main first three days you know it was such an extremely tight budget when i cut it together i just thought this is just not working. It doesn't work. It just, it feels like there's no flesh on the bone here. It's just yeah. bone story, story, story. And so actually I did another day and I may even mention this before, in which case you can cut it all out. I, again. I remember, I remember you sharing yeah. that stuff. Well, I did, yeah. a, did a day of pickups and it was such a small crew. We just literally had me with a lighting assistant and the actor. And we just did close-ups of hands and close-ups yeah. of a computer screen and, and a face peering out the window. And all of that stuff made the difference, as in it made it a film rather than just yeah. a, a, a sequence of, of uh, pictures. And I think with this film, the, the we, we're talking about very much kind of a way of shooting that can uh, make sense and make a virtue of the budget. Because yeah. we're, we're trying to now thinking about, well, how can we not how can we go full DIY? How can we really be Mm. pirates? And how can we just go and do it like we said we want to do it without really anybody asking any permission, without expecting any budget from anywhere? Where, you know, can we raise 10, 15, 20K somehow? Mm. You know, we're Mm. not rich people, but surely we can rustle that up together, right? And 
can we still do it and can we do it with with the same sense of the texture and the the uh the feeling that you get from really being in a comedy club and still keep the characters and still yeah. keep the story and the comedy and we did we have talked a lot about the fact that in comedy uh and because i think it is a really funny script you you don't necessarily need to rely as much on the aesthetics of a of a thing as no it doesn't have to look as beautiful it's just got to land doesn't it it's yeah a little bit about that one i had a similar thought um which was following haddie's uh tirade at us in the, last, in the last podcast yeah you know you're quite right we're, we're not we're not organizing a live event we're not yeah. organ we're, we're not staging uh some kind of theater performance where we need all the cast there we need you know for example um let's not spoil the story too much, but please show up. We don't need to organize loads of police cars. You, no. know, you, you know, we can do this in, in an expressionistic way. You know, in a, you know, film can be, you know, shooting film can be a magic trick. You can be quite yeah. expressionistic. You can be very suggestive in the way you, you do things. We were discussing maybe the fact that social media uh, and TV and phone calls and radio and, the, and actual devices of communication are, are such a part of the script already. Yeah. Maybe we utilize that in order to get our story across in, in an interesting way, in, in a quite, quite a different way without, without going right it says in the script this we have to organize this and shoot this because it's very but that's going to be very expensive maybe we can yeah. find interesting ways to tell this story um without having to go full bells and whistles on it yeah but you know bells and whistles like you say can be done with slight and sleight of hand i think I it's think, a sleight of hand thing yeah uh and in a way that's what all filmmaking's like because they probably every filmmaker will always say even if they've got you know 200 million to make a big marvel you know uh, summer block, blockbuster. I bet they still mm. go. Oh, if we'd have had a bit more time, a bit more, bit more budget, we could have done blah blah blah. And to us, it's like preposterous, you know, because you think, well, hang on a minute, they probably spend more money on the catering truck in a day right. than we would to uh, knock out this film. But, but everybody always feels like it's tight. I mean, I remember speaking to somebody recently who is a first AD and does a lot of big TV drama, Netflix, etc. Yeah. And I sort of said, oh, you know, what's it like? He said, well, it's just backbreaking. It just kills you. 14-hour days, uh, you know, brutal schedules, seven weeks. Da, da, da. I was like, seven weeks? That sounds amazing. He's mm. like, well, yeah, but, you know, you've got to remember, seven weeks and you've got to get 12 hours of televisual entertainment out of that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's always, the grass is always greener. So I think we can take a lot of lessons from from just getting on and, and doing it within yeah. the we have. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that that last podcast was a nice wake up call really. And it just got me thinking like, right, how do we, let, let's set about this, you know, realistically, we're going to make this film. So how do, realistically, how do we set about doing it? You know, we yeah. don't have a hundred thousand pounds. We don't have 50,000 pounds. Yeah. Uh, we can maybe rustle up much less. <laughs> how, how do we now tailor this idea? Which I think it can be, you know, Hadi was saying, put that script to one side, come up with something you can do right away for yeah. fuck all money. And yeah, but I, but I went back to routine and I still think um, it can be done for much, much. I mean, I wrote it to be quite scalable, actually. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wrote it. That was my intention when I first started. Uh, of course, now it's kind of slightly inflated in, in, in scope and maybe characters as well. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe there's a lot that can be trimmed back on there. But I started writing it to be scalable. And that's one thing that I, I think that's why I wrote in from the start, the parallel action idea, because it just means that the film will feel, even on a low budget, will feel feel quite dense. It's um, a world that you're peering in. There's into. a world, you know, there's things going on over here, there's things going on over there. It's not just three guys in a room. It, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a kind of, it's a, there's a complexity to it that will make yeah. it feel larger than, than it actually is, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think we should still keep that as its kind of core build, but then on that maybe cut back here and there and fi find out ways we can scale it, scale it down. I had an interesting experience today um, that made me think a little bit about collaboration and uh, yeah. working, you know, sort of in the larger groups and, uh, and you know, drawing other ideas in. In that, you know, I think I think when I was younger, and I don't know if you were the same, Mark, but I often used to feel like, you know, you had your ideas and you've got to kind of keep them all to yourself. That you that mm. you know, whatever you do, just don't let your ideas out of the bag because if you let your ideas out of the bag, someone else will steal them, they'll go and make them and they'll be famous and then you'll just you'll be a nobody, right? Yeah. It's you know, we in a few episodes ago we talked about the imposter syndrome, and this is almost like you know the 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 fear of of uh the fear of discussing your ideas kind of creating another sort of syndrome like a kind of paranoia that like actually yeah. never just don't talk about your ideas because if you just say it then someone else would do it and in some ways i think you know we, maybe because we came out of that advertising industry there was a lot of black a lot of people blagging and stealing ideas off people yeah, and, uh, yeah. and ending up getting up but what what i think is a healthier way, particularly when, you know, you're doing things at a more kind of DIY level is, is sort of collaborating as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways, um, opening up, uh, discussion about things that you're doing. And, um, and I don't know if, you know, in some ways it's a little bit like our principle of, you know, just get started and that things mm -hmm. start to happen. But it, but a very interesting piece of synchronicity or co coincidence happened sort of, you know, recently. So obviously I've, I've been making this film about the free party rave era. Yeah. And um, through that meeting, lots of people. So, you know, meeting yeah. people is always good. Obviously at the moment uh, we can't go out and meet people particularly because we're still in isolation, but we can meet people virtually. We can dream. We can dream about those days. We can drink and dream. And um <laughs> Uh, and, but, but what was interesting is one of the main collaborators, um, one of the main people, contributors to the documentary, uh, uh Harry, who's, uh, one of the key, uh, aspects of the story about the DIY sound system. So I mentioned them before right. the yeah. DIY sound system. They had this old ha attitude of, you know, don't wait for somebody else to make a party for you. Just do it yourself. So yeah. in a way they've got, they embodied very much this uh, spirit in their um in their uh, early parties and and the, the, you know the you know, and it took them a long way they had a very collective kind of spirit yeah and interestingly uh he got contacted by somebody uh who wanted to interview him recently obviously i've interviewed him for my film he got into con contact by somebody who wants to interview him um to talk about 
the free party days because that person was writing a thriller, uh, a, a narrative thriller. Okay. And um, oh, nice. And, and then he's put that person in in touch with me, and it turns out that that person is a comedian. I know. So this is the guy you t- contacted me about today. So I've just had a long conversation with a with a a comedian called Ben Rouse, lovely, lovely fella, who was picking my brains as a documentary maker and an ex party goer about yeah. the free party days. And then of course, and I was like, but hang on a minute, my mate and me, we've been making this documentary about. We've been making this um, podcast about this film that we're going to make about a comedian, about a comedy. And he was like, bloody hell, what a strange and small, interesting It's funny, world. isn't it? It's funny because you, you sent me a, a text earlier today saying, do you know this guy? And I, and, I, and, I, and I didn't really know him, but I kind of, uh, I obviously got my people to check him out, uh, yeah. <laughs> do a background check on him. And, yeah. it, turns out he, and it turns out he's, uh, you know, he's, he's with the same, he's with an agent who uh, was an agent for old, my mate Ken Collard from We Are What We Drink. And from your first film. He yeah. owns a great agency uh, who I was about to contact to tap him up for some ideas for actors for The Old Man yeah. uh, as a web series. So isn't it funny that things kind of spin round and yeah. the dots join up like that? Um, Small world. And, and it was really good chatting to this guy. Obviously, I kind of was doing a lot of talking about my project, but yeah, started to chat to him about this project as well. And he was like, oh, I'd love to read the script. Sounds amazing. Give me a shout. He's writing stuff for podcasts. And it, it just it feels to me like there's there's a lesson always learned there as, as in not to say, you know, go shouting from the rooftops, telling everybody your idea in a kind of uh, look at me, I'm doing this. <clears throat> but but there's always it's always good to talk to people about your concepts. Yeah. And gain in a way links and contacts and ideas and thoughts that Absolutely, you would ne- yeah. wouldn't necessarily have had yourself, and hopefully this podcast is becoming a a little way of that sort of happening. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I remember Hadi saying in his, in his uh, uh, absolute demolition of us in the last podcast as well. Um, him still saved. I'm still bruised. Um, him saying, you know, listen, guys, don't um, you know until until you do this don't tell anyone that you're doing it it's funny isn't it which did make me laugh because we were literally on our episode yeah, six we're on of podcast. our podcast all about yeah. doing it yeah we're um, trying to get loads of people to listen but yeah. uh, and we are kind of doing the opposite and i've heard that said before and i can see the logic in it and i can see the sense hmm. um but um i you know we're doing the absolute opposite and we're doing it for a very specific reason which is we want to completely open up our process yeah. uh, and, and we want people we want people to kind of listen in and steal our ideas uh, yeah. or, or, or don't make the mistakes that we make yeah. um, uh, or and collaborate and join in and it's in a, it's in a very different spirit i can see you know hadi's obviously he's very much in that kind of um, you know film producer frame of mind where it's like i've got to keep my stuff shit close to me yeah and, not, and only release it when i'm ready and i've got to be very secretive about this and that and yes that is all very valid but i think we are like you're saying aaron we're taking a very different route where we're being very transparent yeah, yeah. Uh, we might be setting ourselves up for a fall i don't know but i think i i think it's an experiment it's an experiment you know like for example 
you know, let's be very transparent about it. The whole reason we're doing this podcast is to build up some kind of group, some kind of uh, culture, some kind of cult. Uh, or, or audience, a cult, <laughs> uh, a cult. Uh, and, 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 we're putting the cult back in the word culture. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and ultimately an audience for our film at the tail end of making this production. We want to have some, you know, people online yeah. who are quite excited to, to finally see what we, when we, do yeah. make routine and eventually um, we will actually put the commune back into community and we'll all <laughs> live together in a, a one bedroom kind of house somewhere where you'll treat us like gods that, that sounds okay to me <laughs> no i'm I, i'm totally with you mark it's an experiment but in a way i think if you don't try these things when you've got nothing as in we've got no yeah. money sat there doing something why not try and even the experience of doing the the podcast is starting to open interesting doors because there was a few is, yeah. in interesting comments kind of on the Facebook group, which I noticed have started popping up. Have you? Yeah, we've had really kind of some great people joining in, joining the group. We've had loads of people putting forward, you know, sending us their films, music videos, documentaries. Yeah, um, which I love, really interesting. I love weird that aspect. Too, I, yeah. I wasn't even quite expecting that side of it, but you know, people are really willing to share. It's so good to see people's work. It's really exciting and inspiring uh, to see what people are up to and, and the process as well. I think it, uh, you know that for me as well. It's obviously it's great yeah. to see video, but we we look at we can look at videos all day long on the internet. But hearing about people's processes, which you know sometimes are really taking the unconventional route yeah. uh, and showing you can still produce something and make something of interest really with very little budget or, or with a yeah. very kind of DIY attitude. So I think we should encourage much more of that because much more it, of that, it's, please. Yeah, it's, definitely. Great, it's great to see that stuff. And um, so I think we might have to pour a drink. Have you, because we haven't even mentioned gin yet. I've properly. kind of, I've drunk my uh, one. What? I drank mine. I drank one. Mine. I, I had a little one. I've drunk it now. Oh, no. Well, I'm going to have to drink on my own. That's terrible. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to do it on your own because I, I have to go back in the other room. Well, we could take. And, uh, I, well, I'm going to. I could take a long time to do this. Or are you going to wake up children if you if you go into the other room? I might, I might wake up a child because he's got, he's going to bed in half an hour, so he's probably asleep. And he's actually going to bed in half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm amazed you've managed to make that work. <laughs> Like it's never went to bed at a certain time. Like, <laughs> they've fallen asleep and now mm. they've woken up again. I see. <laughs> but yeah, but, I went back. I went back to the old um, Robert Rodriguez book. You know, Rebel Without a Crew. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I pulled that back out of the old bookshelf. Following there, quite inspiring as well. It is quite inspiring. It's fascinating. I've been just having a little flick through, and the fact that he made, you know. He started off that El Mariachi film on, on seven grand. Yeah. And, and and what I love about it, when you, I suddenly remembered what really gripped me from the start about this, this book was that, because it's, it's basically a, it's his diary from, yeah. from the times from starts in like 1991 or 90, whenever he started making the film. Or it starts right from when he was doing, he gave his body to medical science, didn't he, for a couple of weeks. And that, yeah. that got him five grand or something. Um, but what I love about uh, that book is that he started out, it, it, what triggered him into action was that he was looking at uh, um, Mexican movies that he rented from his local blockbuster. Yeah. And he he'd heard... He, saw somewhere, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and he'd heard that Mexican production companies will buy a feature film off you for uh, a 10 grand or something. Right. So he was like, well, if I can make one for seven grand... 
I'm going to make fucking three grand. That's like <laughs> fucking party time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and so that, that was his thinking. And then what actually happened was he made the film for seven grand and he ended up in Hollywood and he was getting advances for 10 grand, then 100 grand, then 250 grand. Yeah. And he just kept going. And it just, the story just kind of explodes in the most incredible way. But it all started with this guy who was like, I reckon I could make a couple of quid by selling my movie to a Mexican production company. <laughs> uh, and it ended up getting bought, I think it was Miramax, was it in the end, who bought yeah, his I, film? Yeah, um, well, the less said about them, sadly, these days, well, the, yeah, the exactly, better. Yeah, exactly. They, they yeah, put, exactly. They, they're the wrong side of, of the Hollywood equation <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and not the side of the Hollywood equation. <laughs> kind of but it is a, it's a great lesson to think that, in a way, if, you, if you've just got a really simple plan... Mm. You can execute it well and you can pull it off. And I mean, I think a lot of uh, the other thing that kind of I got from, you know, Haddie's bollocking of us last week was actually him, you know, even though he was bollocking us, he was also bigging us up. He was also saying, look, yeah. you can edit, you can shoot, you've got the kit, you've got them, you can make music, you can do all this stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, we kind of can, which in yeah. the old days it always used to be. Oh well, I haven't got a camera, or I haven't got a this. Or it's like, yeah, we kind of have. Yeah, so, we kind of do, and then maybe we do think on the, along those lines of right. We got a cut. We got our cameras. Let's. What if we shoot the whole thing on our cameras? We use as much of our kit as we possibly yeah. can. That are that um, are way better quality than Robert Rodriguez shot his film. Yeah, on, and probably better quality than you know, most of anything that was available even six, seven years ago. So, And, and luckily, we've both got the same camera, haven't we? So yeah. we were talking a lot about shooting multi-camera to yes. just speed up production and give us enough, you know, because shooting multi-camera, you suddenly got double your coverage. You don't have to stop and do a take from, you know, position B. Um, you know, that could be a way we go about doing this on on our on our kind of Lumixes. On a shoestring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we both uh, shot, well, I, you know, I've had a Lumix uh, Panasonic camera, which for the, you know, it used to be that people would look at me on the shoe and go, what the heck is that? It looked like a toy because it's basically mm. Bill's camera. It just happens to shoot like an amazing video as well. But the, the advantage of these things, and particularly with the concept of doing something multicam, is uh, for comedians, they love that shit because actually yeah. they, they can overlap. They can... Yeah. They can they can riff, you know. They're not yeah, worried about oh shit, my dialogue has to be exactly the same the next take because they can we could shoot from the two angles on a, on an actor on two actors speaking to each other and they can kind of jazz a lot more. So and which I know certainly comedy actors love to do. So mm. it's 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 worth thinking about. You know, we we certainly can't be purists in in our. No situation and and that's a good thing we should again treat it like like lockdown being a creative obstruction yeah small budgets are, are a creative obstruction maybe we set up these situations in which we have a multi-camera coverage and maybe the situation can go on for a minute or two but it's you know it's almost as like say there's this element of a scene it's a little you know it's, instead of going shot 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 maybe we set up a situation and let it kind of just fly and capture yep. it and I mean, the good thing, uh, usually if we do kind of draw from the co comedy circuit and co yeah. comedy actors is they love that shit. They love yeah. to uh, improvise. They love to roll with it because that's what they're doing on stage. They've got a script. Yes, yeah. they've got an act. 
but when the mood takes them they can kind of send it off in a different direction and i think and work with the audience etc so hopefully maybe that sort of approach you know maybe not all the time but maybe some of that can certainly give us i think it could certainly work and the fact that a lot of the film is quite um performance led isn't it and kind of character led it would be great if the performance felt really free in their moments to just open up it's definitely it's definitely an an option which i think we can look into um so i feel a bit bit sad because i'm drinking on my own oh yeah well do you know what it is it's the the bubs is coming in in at half six maybe i could get a sneaky one get a sneaky one (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm gonna get a sneaky one mate i'll be back in a sec Go on then, I'll pause it. I'll just talk, talk, talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves, yeah. So Mark's currently heading outside. While he's heading outside, I'm just going to leave a few Easter eggs for while he's editing. Um, taking a look at his room. Um, it's not a very blokey room. Uh, there's a very beautiful kind of negligee slash dress hanging up on the uh, cupboard. Um, looks like something like a dream catcher on the wall, which is obviously helpful for getting rid of the little baby's uh, bad dreams at night. Um, it looks like it's got the feminine touch. It's a very beautifully crafted room. And um, I'm fairly sure there's no Formula One posters. Um, there's no pictures of Kenny Dalglish, 1976. Can't see any... Ta-da! Oh, and he's back. Oh, there we are. Very good. I'm back. I'm back. Uh, that was quick. Yeah, did it really I mean, quick. Yeah, very a, quick one. I did a nasty martini, which a is di- a dirt box martini. A dirty. It's just like I put some gin in and splashed in some vermouth. That's it. <laughs> Have you got real vermouth? No, I've got like martini Rossi or whatever. You know, some some dodgy. So when we're out of this lockdown, Mark, we we need to to upgrade the uh, the gin materials a little bit. Yeah, I think we need to try and find some Nolly Pratt. Nolly Pratt. Yeah, uh, uh, I, we need to do that because currently I've gone the I've gone for Gordon's. Yeah, I've got I do Gordon's as Gordon's, well. Gordon's, and yeah. I've got um, I haven't even got a name brand tonic. It's just oh, you've just gone co-op Yorkshire tonic. Yeah, I look, they're very famous for their tonic in Yorkshire. I mean, you know, Yorkshire is well known as a tonic dispensary. <laughs> you know, it, all the places that that uh, that reject the idea of yeah. doing lovely ale or tea. Uh, yeah, there. When I were a lad, my dad worked down <laughs> tonic factory. <laughs> tonic factory. Making the tonic for everyone all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And it, well, actually, it's only to me in lockdown because it yeah. was weirdly the the week when we weren't even going to um, shops at all. As in, I'm doing like a you know once a week quick quick shop now. Yeah. But, but suddenly, I had a panic buy on Amazon oh, because shit. it was the only get? it was the only online shop that would send anything. Can I buy gin on Amazon? Yes, of course get... you can buy gin. Oh, amazing! Uh, and can I buy tonic on Amazon? Oh, yeah. Of course you can buy tonic but unfortunately it was yorkshire, yorkshire tonic yorkshire tonic oh. so i've still got about 20 bottles because basically the only time i'm really drinking is when i'm talking to you doing this podcast once a week <laughs> was that the hovis music <laughs> when i were a lad when i were a lad dad used to send me down tonic shop i've 
I'll be doing podcasts and I'd say, where's me? I'll be doing the podcast with, that's not even a Yorkshire accent. Oh, <laughs> you got a little bit smashy. In I, was, I backed out of that one pretty quick. <laughs> that was going down the wrong road. <laughs> you are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. Um, so we might get some more guests soon. We were thinking about some more guests. Yeah, we might we? do. We might have a little call in, see what see what our mates are doing. Yeah, and, a, and an interesting. Well, again, in in the in the uh, new reality we are, we are in, and maybe in for a little while longer. I had a, a virtual pub night the other night. Yeah, which you stood me up at, you bastard. I did. I kind of didn't see the message until the, the last. Well, until I was going to bed. And yeah. then I and I uh, I went. Oh no, I've missed it. You've was missed it good? Was it you had a good? Uh, was it a good laugh? Well, thankfully somebody else turned up. Other than uh, like, if I'd have oh. just invited you, I'd been sat on my sofa on my own waiting Imagine for my friends. Imagine that. Just, I mean, there's nothing worse in the modern age, is there, yeah. than just looking at your face on a Zoom chat, Zoom and it's just chat. you. Yeah. nobody else just no other little screens to look at oh exactly my God. exactly but in the end actually i did have some a fellow filmmaker friends turn up to the zoom chat and it was it was really fun friend uh jeff who we've mentioned before um came along and he he was chatting about his experiences being uh now basically unemployed in the film industry and you know yeah. unable to furlough yourself etc and then our friend uh, steve who's a dop now how does a dop make a living in this situation because you must be absolutely screwed right i mean at least you know you and i can do some post-production jeff's been doing a little bit of editing you know there's not a great deal of work out there let's face it and i mean this isn't these are first world problems let's let's just yeah, yeah. put that clear some people are getting very ill and this is way way more significant but it's scary times i just hope everyone out there is kind of finding ways to kind of get get through it um uh, muddle through it and then stay safe basically so what what are we what else have we got to talk about marky well i think we're kind of i mean i think we're pretty on the same on the same page Aaron, aren't we in, in the way we're going to approach another you know, a readdress uh, routine as a as a project and as a script. Um, so I guess we're it's looking at draft number six. Draft number coming six coming up soon. Uh, yeah. So all those nasty shocks I got the last time I read draft number five was like, oh, new location. Oh, he's meeting kind of people from his work. I can kind of yeah. put those to bed now, can't I? Mr. Producer hat of me. I, I, th put... I think you probably can, yeah. Although, I, I'm, you know, exactly what we were saying, you know, thinking about film as a bit of a, you know, going back to just it's having all it in, in your mind, having it as a bit of a magic trick. Let's think of things as magic tricks. So how do I get that information I popped into those opening additional scenes that you uh, yep. that terrified you so much. Yep. How do I get that information in there somehow? It's all uh, going to happen on an email. That's what it's. Yeah, gonna, that's what the budget's going to do. It's, I'm giving you this, Mr. Director. I'm giving you this. You can do the whole thing <laughs> on an email. How's that? Can you make it work. It's the old show. It don't tell it, isn't it? Rear window with the where Hitchcock just moves the camera all around the room and tells you the whole story about how. Yeah, James Stewart's character is a is a is a sports photographer and had an accident at a at a motorway track and and now he's resting up in his wheelchair and you know he's got a couple of months, uh, you know, in a cast and that's all done uh, just through the shot roaming through his flat looking at various photographs. You pan, you know, you, the camera moves down to the broken. Uh, 
camera and then we're up to him in the chair and you know it's all done in the opening you know one so is it's there a ways wonderful, wonderful film that as well it's a wonderful film and it's just a it's just absolute uh it's just a masterpiece and and, and, a, and a, a real it's going back to school isn't it in terms of filmmaking just to watch it so i've just got to start going right how do we do these things in very clever visual ways in which we tell the story without having to go right let's see him at work let's do yeah. a two-page scene where he has to have a bit of problem with his boss and let's have another scene where he's maybe we can do it a much cleverer economical way text messages on a phone <laughs> screen <laughs> we could do a star wars crawl here's some information <laughs> yeah. you need to know about don, don morby had a terrible day <laughs> <laughs> his uh, boss was a real bitch to him yeah She's 20 years younger than him. Yeah. Yeah, he's pissed off and he's sleeping in his car. It Cut all happened. To... It all happened in a very expensive looking scene with lots of extras yeah. in a wonderful location. Which is basically anyway. tell, tell, don't show, anyway. which is the opposite of the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit like the uh, the stage manager when I was at college. I did drama and uh, film at college. And um, I always remember my stage manager who was a very um, put-upon lady. She was very nice. Yeah. But stage managers are always a bit pissed off, aren't they? Because basically, you know, people are asking them to do things that they can't. And i never forget the day when for the end-of-term show, that was um, basically a way to take the piss out of other people in the department. Yeah, yeah. Um, the end-of-term show, I remember going up to and saying, oh, we want to do this, this, that. We had this crazy, ambitious idea about water pistoling people and you know doing doing like really dangerous crazy stuff and she went oh, well you can have some chairs <laughs> uh, oh so i think that's that's oh. my approach to to your script right yeah well uh, mate i mean well, right now we're we, we're dreaming chairs. of we're dreaming of chairs chairs so is, chairs, chairs would be chairs amazing is, chairs would be fantastic if um, we can make chairs then we know we're getting somewhere <laughs> <laughs> and we have suitably fortified heading into the future uh this is a new challenge a, a new dawn of the new challenge um and yeah. um I, I think we're going to come up with something very cool yeah me too mate me too cool day thank you see ya good night <laughs> goodbye <laughs> night night <laughs> night campus <laughs>